those of you also listening on our podcast, uh, as was shown and as we have mentioned, we are beginning this series uh, called Scars, and a pretty powerful series. Uh, I'm really expecting God to do amazing things. He does every Sunday, actually, every, every week in our ministry, all throughout different levels. God is just doing some crazy great stuff. Uh, and uh, so um, this series is going to be no different. But as you think about the word scars, the first thing you think of isn't necessarily an emotional or spiritual or internal necessarily, uh, you know, relational scar. You think of scars, like scars, like scars, right? Raise your hand right now if you can think of a scar on your body uh, that you could tell a story about. Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, keep them up. Hey, raise them high. Let's see. Right. All right, Heather, you want to come up and show us your scar? <laughs> you should have seen the look of panic on your face. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I mean, we all have scars, right? We have, have scars on our body. And the, the most recent one that I can think of as I'm thinking about the scars is we were on vacation uh, last year and we were on the sand on a beach. It was great. Um, but I found out the sand isn't soft that you think, especially when you're playing sand volleyball. And I dove for a, a, a volleyball, and my knee, I have a scar that I, I think is my, the worst scar on my body because of diving and going on one knee. Blood everywhere. It was awesome. But I have that scar. Every time I see that, I just told the story about that scar. The other scar I think of on my body is right on my hand. I have this little, little scrape. I can still see it. It's, it's kind of covered up, but I can still see it right now. And when I was seven years old, my sister and I were in Loveland, Colorado at my grandparents' place, and uh, we, they were doing something, and so my sister and I were playing the card game Slapjack. Anybody play that card game? You remember that one? It's where you're flipping over cards, and as soon as there's a, uh, a jack, you go like that to try and grab it. Well, we're, we were playing, and a jack goes up, and I go, bam! And instead of her going like this, she goes like this, and just literally... And again, blood all over the place, right? Um, then the, la- the last scar that I was thinking about actually isn't one that happened to me. It's one that I inflicted on someone else. My little brother and I were wrestling in our front, front room in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And my dad, bless his heart, uh, built uh, these the footrest tables, but they were, they were sharp-edged wood things, right? They, you, you can't, you don't buy these anymore, but they were sharp edge, big, big blocky things. And we were wrestling it. And you know how when you're wrestling with your brother or sister or your sibling, and it gets to a point where, okay, this is fun, but now you're making me mad, you know? And so that was him. He started making, I was just like, okay, stop it. I'm okay, okay. And I grabbed him right here and I pushed him just, I just pushed him. And I can, I can see it right now. Oh. And he basically fell backwards and to catch himself turned and caught the corner of that horrible, you know, torture thing. And it, it cut him right here, like just missed his eye. Again, blood all over the place. It was great. Um, but every time I see him, all the way up until he passed away several years ago, he, I, I see him and I always remember that story. Because I see that scar on his head. Again, the point is this. Sometimes scars happen to you, and sometimes you cause scars on another person. True? Yeah, sometimes things happen to us, and sometimes uh, we, we actually cause that scars. And I bet if, 
if you can think of some of the scars that you have, um, if somebody asked you about them, most likely you wouldn't go, you know, I'm not really sure where I got that one, you know. Most of the time, physically on your body, whatever scar it is, you can tell a story, right? Because everyone has a story and scars, every one, every scar has a story. And that's what we're looking at this week. Now, I did some research on your body and the amazing thing, the, the amazing body that God has created you, uh, created for us uh, to live in, basically. Um, and I was looking at what is the body's process of forming scars. And honestly, most of it just made me gag. <coughs> Right, I was going to show pictures, and, and I was like, no, 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 I, I got a filter, uh, mostly. Uh, but most of it made me gag, but, but it was reinforced that God, if you do research on just the simple process of scarring, God made you, made our bodies in an amazing, amazing way. It's, they, he made our bodies to be self-sufficient in the healing process, especially when it comes to the largest organ on your body. You know what that is? Right, it's the epidermis. Actually, it's the dermis is your actual skin. The epidermis is the, see, I know way too much. The epidermis is the covering of your skin. Um, So when your skin is injured, the body immediately goes to work repairing that area, okay? Uh, And the scar is an area uh, of tissue that's made up of fibers that replace what was was cut, right? What was removed. Uh, And so the scarring is the natural part of the healing process for you and for me. With the exception of very minor injuries, most wounding at any, at any level has some sort of scarring that happens to your body. And here's what's interesting. Scar tissue is composed of the same protein as our normal skin. Okay? It's the same, the same stuff uh, as the normal tissue that it replaces, but the composition of the protein, of the, the, the way that the fibers are arranged... Um, is, what, is what's different. So here's, here's what your uh, normal tissue looks like. And actually, you can look at your hand really close, and you can kind of see this. Your normal tissue is like a basket weave. Okay? It's, like a, it's like a basket weave. It's a little bit random throughout your body on your skin, but it's like a basket weaving uh, is normal tissue. When a scar happens, instead of it doing this, scar tissue actually looks like this. So that's why... That's why you have a scar. It looks different from the normal basket weaving. It aligns the fibers like this to to, to close up that gap. It's an alignment in a single direction, okay? And what's amazing about scar tissue is that it's usually weaker or inferior to the normal skin around it, okay? It's it's because it's, 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 a, it's an alignment which is actually weaker than a basket weave kind of thing. For example, scars in the skin are less resistant to ultraviolet radiation. So sometimes that's why when you, if you have a really bad scar and you're out in the sun, sometimes that's the part you're like, ooh, that really kind of hurts. It's because of the way it's aligned. Uh, and they also, sweat, sweat glands and hair follicles do not grow back with scar tissue. You don't sweat on your scars. All right, that's it. Let's go. Okay, amen. Let's pray. Yeah, aren't you glad you came to church today? <clears throat> but here's a couple of principles. And, and, and the reason I, I went into that is because it's so interesting how the physicalness of scarring matches the emotional pieces of scarring. Because here's what we know. Scars heal the wound, 
right? Scars heal a wound. Scars also bring things into alignment. Remember the fibers are like this? And then also, scars, because they're a weaker part of your skin, scars remind you of the weakness. You know, isn't it true? You're like, if you have a very bad scar, you, you baby that thing the rest of your life. Like, oh, don't you? Oh, yeah, it's just, it's just a weaker part of your body. So physical scars heal a line and leave a mark that reminds you of weakness, okay? So put a pin in that because when you think about when we're going to, this is a hard turn, but think about this, put a pin in it. Now, think about when Jesus was walking the earth, the physical scars of, and the wounds of the people back then. Because remember, there were no hospitals to speak of. They're walking on rock and, and hard ground, to a you know, very, very harsh environment based on our standards today. There was no there were no cars to get around. There were no heated seats or steering wheels. You had to just hoof it, which meant you incurred a lot of physical scarring or physical wounds. Um, and what they would do is when somebody was actually uh, hurt, most of the medication was just anesthetic. A lot of it was actually narcotic to allow the body to do the natural healing process. Um, mostly, they just simply quarantined people away. This is the whole thing with leprosy. Remember that when Jesus healed the ten leopards? Uh, leopards. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Jesus healed the ten lepers, right, uh, most of the time, leprosy was just simply a skin rash as it started, but then they were quarantined with people that actually had the disease and then obviously, you know, it's a Petri dish. It's just that then you actually got leprosy. And it actually, I mean, it, it's like what's happening with the coronavirus, right? The corona cruise ship, what did they do? First thing, they, they started quarantining everybody because, here's why, this is a new virus. They don't know what it is. And currently, there's no remedy um, that, that's been discovered. And so it's in this kind of medical, not this kind of medical background, but it's in the harsh medical back, uh, situation that Jesus uh, enters, enters the, scre- the, the scene. So one more thing that you need to know about Jesus, um, and especially the people that followed Jesus. Um, so very few people came to Jesus because they thought he was the Savior of the world. Very, very few, maybe handfuls, came to Jesus because they thought he was the Savior, the Messiah, that we know him to be, right? In fact, the Bible says that even his own disciples, who spent three-plus years with him, living, breathing, eating, just everything with him, seeing the miracles, doing all this stuff, they didn't even fully understand that he was the Savior. He, they didn't understand he was the Messiah until when? After he rose from the dead. So the question is, why did people hang out with Jesus? Why did people follow Jesus back in Jesus' day? Well, I mean, miracles, yes. He had, he had a different kind of teaching that was just so radical. He was very popular uh, in his heyday. Uh, ultimately, people were drawn to him because they had a need. They had a need. There was, there was some trouble or some trial or ailment with which they needed help. And, and Jesus was the one at the time that was the go-to person to be healed, right? Jesus even said, John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you're going to have what? 
Bible scholars, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. And Jesus had a track record of doing one thing, overcoming the world, specifically in the healing area. Through his touch, he healed bodies. Through his teaching, he healed relationships. Through his death and resurrection, he healed the consequence of sin. And so this is, if you're listening on the podcast or in the room, this is so refreshing to you if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, and you're just here because somebody invited you, you're going to go to lunch afterwards, whatever, you're just here. This is so refreshing to you because you don't need to be a believer to follow Jesus. You don't need to be a believer to dive into this book called the Bible and really find out what life is about and who this Jesus is. You don't have to be a believer to follow Jesus. But your life will be changed as you do. So people came to Jesus because he could heal them physically, emotionally, not realizing the deeper need that they had and the deeper need that you and I have um, is that Jesus could heal us spiritually. And just like people 2,000 years ago, you and I are really the same. Them and, and us, we're really the same. Situation is different. Culture is different. But we're really the same because there's something that I know about you because I know it about me and it's absolutely true about our life. It's this. Troubles and trials are part of life. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? Troubles and trials are part of life and scars tell their story. Scars tell your story of the troubles and the trials that you might face. Now, while it's simplistic to know and it's important for you uh, to acknowledge, um, because, yes, life is actually good. Most of the life is, is actually really, really good, but it also can be difficult. And as you're, as you're acknowledging the difficult part, it helps you deal with the question, um, how do I deal with the scars in my life? Think of your life. How do you deal with the loss? How do you deal with the hurt? How do you deal with the people that have betrayed you? How do you deal with the result of you betraying other people? What is God telling you, teaching you, encouraging you to do through your scars? Um, I put it up on Facebook yesterday because I was really, was it yesterday? Two days ago, whenever it was. Um, and I was really thinking about scars. And so I was writing, oh yeah, it was yesterday. I was writing about scars. Everyone has a story. What are your thoughts on scars? And several people mentioned, and then uh, uh, Deb put this up that I thought was really good. She says, I am, what's this word? Embrace. I embrace the scars knowing what I've come through. I'm choosing to embrace the scars and remembering what I've come through. I think that's really, really good because we have a choice to put meaning on the scars that are in our life. So all of these questions that we ask when bad things happen to us in our life, they're all covered and and alluded to all throughout Scripture. Um, But one of the questions we want to ask through this scar series is what do we do with them? What do we do when something happens to us, when we are hurt so badly that it leaves a scar. Well, today we're going to um, talk just briefly about a, a Bible verse. Uh, it's uh, in the book of James. Now, James was the oldest of the brothers of Jesus, right? So Jesus was born of Virgin Mary, uh, and, and after that, Mary and Joseph had other kids. And James was the oldest of the brothers. 
And, and Andy Stanley's famous for saying this. We know Jesus has to be the Messiah because what would it take for you to be convinced that your brother rose again from the dead? Probably a lot, right? James grew up with Jesus as brothers, kids. You know, they pro- you know he probably threw them against the wooden thing too. I don't know. Uh, they were carpenters. Um, so... But anyway, so James is, is, is writing this amazing letter, and actually Martin Luther didn't even like this letter because it's, it's, very, it's so practical, uh, and, and um, it's, a, it's an amazing letter. It was written to tw- the 12 tribes that back in, in that day had been, it's called the dispersed. they were dispersed from their homeland. So here, originally, they were all together, and they were dispersed because of uh, different rulers and some of the fighting that was happening, um, Babylonian captivities and all kinds of things earlier. But the blessing is, that was a scar, but the blessing was, that meant, what, if you have a bunch of Christians here, how many Christians are out here? None. But if you disperse them, how many more people could God use? So in hindsight, this scar of the dispersion was such a beautiful blessing. And, um, and millions and millions of Jews who were sent all over the place carrying the, go- actually the, the, the gospel um, uh, sent it out. Um, so the, the spread of Christianity meant that there were synagogues all over the place, which was a perfect place for Christian preachers to start. They would go into the synagogues all throughout the area and start telling people about the love of Jesus. So James is writing to all these people who are all over the place, who've had a horror. Can you imagine being plucked from your homeland, plucked from Hudson, not, not on, you know, against your will, and now you're all over the place and you're going, what is God doing? How do I reframe this? And so James says this. Uh, he says, James 1, starting verse 2, he says, consider it, what? pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not if, because we just raised our hands, we said, hey, we all have scars, trouble is going to hit us at one point. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now. Maybe there's something, there's, there's, you, you know there's a scar for me because the wound of that relationship is so deep. You've lost your job, your finances are, are you're, you watch the stock market dive last week and you're like oh my goodness there goes my whole retirement you're just you're feeling these trials consider pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces what perseverance now in this context this word is really interesting because perseverance isn't um isn't wow focusing on what i'm persevering against perseverance actually in the greek means redefining my direction so I am being, so the troubles help me redefine my direction. And what is that direction? Just keep going. Let perseverance finish its perfect work in you so that, this, th- that those two words are so important, so its purpose. Perseverance is doing this so that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. It's a honing, it's a strengthening for you. Trials, struggles, and the resulting scars are positive in that they give you clarity and clarify your purpose in life. For, for some, that purpose is very, very clear right after a trial or a tragedy. I mean, I think of, uh, if you remember the name John Walsh, He's, he was the lead guy on America's Most Wanted. Remember that TV show? 
his oldest son, Adam, was kidnapped and killed, and they couldn't find him. And so he and a couple other guys put the show together to go on public TV, and they highlighted who they thought it was, and thousands of criminals were caught, and justice was served. So um, your scars can lead you in a different direction. It can clarify your purpose. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at people's stories from our congregation whose purpose and whose response to what happened in their life has been clarified and helped them to lean into God. Because it's like the, the verse that Anne read, he was dis, it helps us focus and lean into Jesus because he was despised. He was rejected. He was a man of suffering. He was familiar with pain. Your Savior knows the pain that you go through. Like one from whom people hid their face, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took on your pain, he bore your suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. But, so we thought, because Jesus was punished and stricken, we thought that was a punishment from God. But, not so. He was, let's read this together. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his scars, his wounds, we are healed. That's the purpose of the scars that we encounter. Not the physical scar, but the story behind all of that. When Jesus died and was resurrected, he appeared in his resurrected body. And like the opening video said, and I never thought about this, he appeared in his perfected body except for one thing. He kept the scars. He showed them to Thomas. He showed them to the disciples after he rose. Why would he do that? To clarify it was actually him. But I think it was to say, by my scars, people... You're healed. I took your sin. I took the pain. I took all of this junk that you experience in this life, and I took it to the cross. I took it to the cross. His death and resurrection doesn't cause grief for us. It causes great, great joy. And so in this bizarre season that I call Lent, uh, like I said on Ash Wednesday, you know, how do you greet each other during this time of the church here? Happy Lent? Merry Lent? No. You just lean into what God would have for you. And so as we think about the scars in our life over the next couple of weeks, let today be a foundation for what God wants to do in all of our life, of looking and thinking about the scars that have happened, the ones that we've inflicted, the ones we've received, and that we put them into the context and into the reframing that Jesus took those scars for you and for me. Let your scars be a reminder that you join in his scars. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Father, while difficult events um, are part of our life, we sometimes, we don't want to think about it. Um, We don't want to think about the brokenness and the pain, but God, as uh, was, was mentioned and was sung earlier, the brokenness brings us back to you. And these words are a story you'll use. So I'm thankful for the scars. Because without them, I wouldn't know your heart. 
And I know they'll always tell of who you are. So forever I'm thankful for the scars. In Jesus' name, amen.